Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me today to two openings. Go to Mark chapter 16 and hold your place there. We're going to look at two openings, Mark chapter 16 and then Matthew chapter 28. Mark 16 and Matthew 28. We know that these two passages, as long as uh, along with the 24th chapter of Luke passage there and then over in the first chapter of Acts, all four of these uh, passages or these chapters contain a different version or a different part of what we call the Great Commission. And here in Mark's Gospel, he said in uh, uh, chapter 16, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And then if you turn back over, excuse me, I think I read Matthew, didn't I? I was reading Matthew. I had my, my finger over here in Mark. That's Matthew's gospel over in Mark's gospel, chapter 16. And it says here, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who, is, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And it says then that they went out after the Lord had spoken to them he was received up into heaven and sat down on the right hand of God and they went out, verse 20, and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen and so be it. Amen. Glory to God. Here in Mark's gospel, here it's, uh, Jesus said in this particular version, it says, go and preach the gospel. Last week we talked about what the gospel is and of course generally everybody knows that the word gospel means good news. We pointed out that uh, originally in the Greek language this word gospel meant the reward given to a messenger. Everybody say the word messenger. The reason I want you to say this, we're gonna come back to that. But uh, originally the word gospel meant the reward given to the messenger for bringing good tidings. Tidings. And then among the pagans, it meant the sacrifices made to the gods when such good tidings were received. And then in later uh, Hellenistic Greek, it came to mean the very good tidings themselves. And that's the sense that uh, is spoken of in the New Testament. Go into all the world and preach the good tidings, the good news. Amen. And, uh, and so we found out that the gospel is the summation of the Christian message Jesus came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, the thing that was so remarkable about what Jesus preached and the good news that he preached is that you have that in uh, comparison or in the, in the uh, back or in the uh, uh, company of the message of the day, which was John the Baptist's message. You know, it had been hundreds of years since there had been a prophet in Israel. And John the Baptist came on the scene, the very first prophet in several hundred years, and he came preaching a message that was a little bit less than good news. <laughs> you know, the ax is laid to the root of the tree and, and God's winnowing fan in his, is in his hand and, and uh, so forth, repent or perish, you know. And uh, that, was the, that was the message the Jews were uh, familiar with and what they expected from God. And then Jesus came on the scene preaching a gospel of love and acceptance. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, he came to preach and, and to reveal the Father. He showed a God of love and of mercy. And, uh, and that is the good news. Amen. Then we talked about this last week in, in the latter part of the service. It, that uh, You remember that the Apostle Paul, he made frequent references to his gospel. Over and over and over again, the Apostle Paul talked about the gospel that I preached and my gospel. He referred to uh, the gospel that he's, he preached 
in, in reference to his company of, of, of travelers, you know, that travel with him, he called it our gospel. And, and he, this wasn't just a, an obscure thing. This is something that he said very often. He was really conscious of the fact that the gospel was his. Now, he didn't mean by that that he had a different gospel than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ or the gospel of, of the apostle Peter or any of the others. That's not what he meant by it. The reason he called it his gospel is that he said that he did not receive this gospel from any man. He didn't hear it from Peter. He didn't hear it from John. He didn't hear it from anybody else. He, he was not taught it from any natural man. He had an encounter on the road to Damascus and the gospel that he learned, he got by revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the story, the Lord Jesus spoke to him and appeared to him on the road to Damascus, you know, and, and uh, he got up, he was blinded by the light that he saw. He went into Damascus, he was told to go into Damascus and then he would be told what to do. He came into Damascus and the Lord sent Ananias over, you know, he laid hands on him, he received his sight, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Galatians, he said, immediately I did not confer with flesh and blood. He just, in, a, in just a day or so, very quickly, he went into Arabia, went off by himself. We don't know how long he was there. He was there for a period of time. And he received the gospel that we have in his epistles. That's what he's referring to. Pick up my trash here this morning. He, he referred to the gospel. I feel like Red Skelton up here. Dated me a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> he, he referred to the, his gospel and the gospel that he preached, like I said, he got it directly from the Lord. He didn't even, he, God was dealing with him in such a powerful way. It made such an impact on his life that he separated himself from all other influence just so that he would know exactly what it was that he was called to preach. And then he went, he came back to Damascus. He spent approximately three, three years in Damascus and he said, I didn't go up to Jerusalem right away. I went back to Damascus after the Arabia experience. He went back to Damascus. He was there for three years and after three years, he went to Jerusalem. He met briefly with uh, uh, John, I think. I'm not sure who he met with, I just don't recall right now. Then it says 14 years later, he went up by revelation to Jerusalem and met with the rest of the apostles. And he said, just to make sure I had not run in vain. He thought, you know, I probably ought to check with some of the other apostles and find out what they're preaching. Yeah. And he told them the gospel that he preached among the Gentiles. And of course, it was the same gospel they preached. It had more depth to it. It was to a different audience. You know, the gospel that, that Paul preached to the Gentiles was the same gospel that Peter preached to the Jews, only it emphasized different things. But they were all one and the same. There's no difference except that there was more depth in what Paul had, what he had received from the Lord. But my point is, it, it became his gospel. It was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't his in the sense that he, it, it originated from him or he owned it. It was his in the sense that he had gotten it from God. It had so gripped his heart. It had so taken control of his consciousness. I mean, it defined his entire life to the point that he called it my gospel. If we're going to be effective reaching people with the gospel, it has to become our gospel. If it's not your gospel, you're not ready to share it. I said, if it's not, if it hasn't become your gospel, you're not ready to share. I'm not saying don't share. I'm just saying there's more for you. You need to get into it and let it become so much a part of you that it captures you, that you are taken, taken over by it, that it takes a hold of you. And you see, when it becomes your gospel, it, it's the easiest thing. And you know, anybody can tell their story. I have a little bit of problem telling somebody else's story. You know how that works? Somebody tell you a story, then you tell somebody. It just doesn't have the same effect. But when it's your story, amen, Paul had a testimony of his, of his own, how the gospel had impacted his life. And he told it often. 
He told it to, to, to the common man. He told it to the king. He told it to the governor. He told it everywhere he went, how on the road to Damascus, how the light shone from heaven and how the voice came and the Lord Jesus appeared to him and, and all of the things and how it changed his life. Oh, glory to God. I'm doing better preaching than you are amen and out there. I can tell you that right now. Glory to God. When it gets a hold of you and it changes your life, oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I received a card this week from one of the children in the church, just a young child, and this child said, it was so precious and funny, it said, it said, I just love you, Pastor, thank you so much, and said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even know the Jesus or God or even the Bible, and if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have a change in my life. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I remember when you were lost in a, in a in debauchery, you know, and, and that life you used to live as a little old kid, you know. <laughs> Nine or ten years old, you know. And, uh, but you know what? I, I, I got to thinking about that. Even a young person like that that's never known, that's never known the depths of the sin of this world realizes there's a change that happens on the inside when God comes into your life. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the change that came into my life and thank God for the change that came into your life. It, that needs to be alive in you. It needs to be stirring in you. It needs to be something that, that, that is part of your consciousness. That's when the gospel becomes your gospel because it's personal. It changed your life. Your testimony will change other people's lives. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. We talked about that. And then we went over to the word nations. You know, over in Mark, he said, go into all the, the, uh, the world and preach the gospel. No, was that Matthew? I keep getting those two mixed. It was Matthew. I was looking at Mark. Let's go over there, Matthew, and look at it again. Matthew 28. Hallelujah. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. We talked about this word last week and we found out that the word nations is the word ethnos from the Greek. This isn't just a Greek lesson today, but this is important. The Greek word is ethnos. It's where we get the English word ethic or ethnic. And in the New Testament, this always described the Gentile nations because the Jews considered themselves God's people and all the other nations, everybody else. There was just two classes. It was them and then everybody else who were nobody in their view. And so when Jesus said, go into all the ethnos, uh, it, they took that to mean all of the nations and it was, it was translated that way, even in our English Bible, because that's where all the ethnos was, was in other nations. We found out that this word ethnos actually expresses the ideas of different customs, cultures, and civilizations. And so in that day, all of those customs and cultures and civilizations were primarily someplace else. They were geographically located elsewhere. Well, the word to, that Jesus literally said, he didn't say go into the English word nations. He said go into and teach all of the ethnos. Go into all of the cultures, all of the civilizations, all of the ethnic groups. In other words, go to all of those cultures and civilizations beyond your own. Now we talk about uh, going into all the world. We're going to talk about the world, the word world in a minute. But we often talk, think about going to a distant place. The good news is the world has come to us. We're living in a day of mass migration. Immigration, immigration and migration. People are moving all over the planet. And right here in our own country, all of the world have come to us. Yeah. Amen. That's good. You don't have to leave your neighborhood to find virtually any ethnic group you can think of. Now, it makes some people nervous. Some people think, well, this is our country. I like people that look like I do and, and I'm a little nervous. I go into stores and I see people with strange things on their heads. 
That, that is such an opportunity. How, I think it's just remarkable that at the end of the age that God has brought the world to the church all over the world. Thank God for those like Jackie and others who go to other places. But we don't have to go to other places. The other places have sent their own to us. Oh, glory to God. And, and so don't be nervous. Don't be nervous around different people. You need to understand that people from these very different uh, uh, cultures and, and, and uh, ethnic groups that have come into our nation, very often they feel isolated and they tend to stay to themselves. They tend to stay in their own little communities. Now, I'm not, not, not necessarily geographically because they'll get into your neighborhoods and stuff, but they still fellowship with, with, with those of like culture. Isn't that right? They are minorities. There's no excuse for us feeling nervous if the truth is told, they're the ones that feel insecure. Understand that we have the opportunity to extend the gracious hand. Now, you've probably seen people that maybe have uh, uh, some type of clothing or something that would indicate that they're Muslim. And I know many times you, you people, you know, will, will encounter people like that and there'll be a little bit of resistance. You'll think, oh, no, are you here to hurt us? What are you, you know, what are you here for? Well, they might be. But there's still an opportunity. Think about it. Go back to 9-11, 2001. What if those hijackers, what if someone had reached them Unless, what, if, what if somebody in the church, instead of looking at them as somebody strange and, and somebody uh, to, be, to be suspicious of and maybe to be afraid of and, and just to be unsure and nervous around, what if somebody had reached one of them with the gospel? How could history have been changed? Now, it's possible that that, that could not have happened. I, I don't know. I believe these people were demon-possessed to a degree. But listen, Paul was on his way to kill people. Was he not? He was on his way to kill the church, to imprison and put to death those who called on the name of the Lord and God arrested him. Like I said last week, I believe in legal immigration. I do not believe in illegal immigration. That, that's not what this is about. I'm saying when people are here, they're a mission field. I, I, I care how they got here, but not for the gospel's sake. For the sake of the gospel, it doesn't matter how they got here. I want, to, I want to take the gospel to that ethnicity. I want to take the gospel to that culture. I want to take the gospel to that group, to that civilization. Because they've come here. Yeah. What an opportunity. Oh, glory to God to go into all the earth right here. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Let's look at the world, the word world. The word world. Glory to God. Let's go back to Mark's gospel. Hallelujah. Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This word world is very interesting. It's the Greek word cosmos, cosmos. And in the, it, it has a lot of different meanings. It, it has one meaning, but it has a lot of different applications. The word cosmos really literally means a system, an organized system. And ultimately, the word is applied to the universe as the, as the cosmos because it's an orderly system. You know, the stars in the sky that you look at at night in 2018 look exactly like they did 10,000 years ago. 
It's because the, the, the heavens are orderly. It's an orderly system. The same galaxies, the same stars, the same uh, comets that come through, they've been coming through for countless years, centuries, thousands of years. That's the great cosmos. The word cosmos is also used, uh, particularly in the Bible, of political systems, the governance of man, man's organized uh, dealings with himself, the political systems of this world. The word cosmos uh, applies to any group or system that's organized. It could, it could apply to the world of, of education. That's an organized system. It can apply to the world of fashion. It can apply to the world of entertainment. And here, Jesus said, go into all the world. Again, it's not necessary. We believe in going to geographic places on the earth. This, this does not say go into all the earth. It's biblical to go into all the earth, but that's not what this is saying. This isn't saying go into all the earth. It's going to all of the world, all of the systems of this world. And the idea that it presents is that the systems of this world are full of people who don't know God. And you think about the political systems of this world. You think about the entertainment systems of the world, the, the world of education or whatever it might be. You, they're basically full of people who don't know God. And they go through life being influenced by the system they're in. And we know who is the God of this world. Over in 2 Corinthians where it says... Satan is the God, little g, not big G, but little g, God, that Satan is the God of this world. It does not say the God of this earth. He's not the God of this planet physically because that was given to Adam. He is the God of this earthly system, the system that governs this world and governs unsaved men. A cosmos can even be as local as a club you belong to. Your circle of friends. Where you go on a, on a routine basis. You know, you go to work every day. Ordinarily, you get up. You go to work every day. You meet the same people in the same place. You conduct the same kind of business. On your way home, you go the same route you normally go to come home. If you stop by the store, you usually don't go to Jacksonville to do it. You usually do it on the same store on the way home. All of that is, is, is considered in, in this word cosmos. In other words, whatever the organized system of thing is that you belong in, and that you're a part of, that you participate in, that's a world, that's a, that's a cosmos. Jesus said, go into all the cosmos. And this meshes so, so perfectly with the idea of, of the ethnos. Go into all of the cultures, but also go to all of the places. Go to the places where you have influence. You have influence somewhere in the cosmos. You have a small cosmos that you operate in on a regular basis. It might be in school. It might be in the workplace or all of these places. It's where you shop. It's where you buy your groceries. It's where you get your car, your brakes re, uh, redone and your oil changed. It's where you go. He said, go into all these places and preach the gospel. We need to see the fact that we have influence. We're known some in that group. Maybe you're maybe you have a you belong to some kind of a sewing club. You know, outside the church, a a, 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 a book club. 
whatever it might be. You, you, you're, 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 you're part of that group. You're part of that cosmos. You have influence there. You're accepted there. That's a great place for your testimony. Amen. Like I've said so many times before, and, and, and I think it was uh, Pastor Dunning, John Dunning mentioned it here a couple weeks ago. I think it was, or it might have been Steve, something about your testimony. I tell you, your testimony is powerful. You can, you can quote scriptures at people, and they, can, and, they can, and they can push back. I've had people in this church push back. I tell them what the Bible says. I've had people push back and say, that, that, the, the Bible doesn't mean that. That's not what that means. Not very many people, but it's happened. <laughs> not too long ago. And I said, let me tell you something. I'm the pastor here, and, and, and this is what the Bible says. And I'm going to let you stand here and tell me it doesn't mean what it means. But my point is, people can push back, but they can't push back on your testimony. How in the world can somebody tell you it didn't happen to you the way you say it happened? There's no way they can do that. There's no way they can tell you that you didn't have a change in your life, that you didn't receive joy, that you didn't receive the, that, that your life wasn't radically altered and that God hasn't been good to you. There's no way they can tell you that. And I'm gonna tell you, your testimony is powerful because you feel it. It's part of you. That's, that's where the, that's how the gospel is released. That's, that's what Paul did. It was his gospel. He told everybody what happened to him. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Go into all the cosmos. Amen. That's our mission field. We need to lift up our eyes. What, what does that mean? Stop looking at the ground. Stop looking at your immediate surroundings as you go about the day every day. It's so easy just to look at this. You know, I have to do this and I have to do that and, and stay out of my way. I just got to get it done before dark, you know. <laughs> Lift up your eyes and look around you and, and, and see the people in your cosmos and, and see the people of the different cultures of the world who go to the same store you go to. You might not know them, but they're, they're part of that cosmos because that's where they, you, you all shop together. You see what I'm saying? These things are interrelated. Lift up your eyes and look. The fields, Jesus said, are white unto harvest. Well, if they were white then... One, at one point, one of the... I think it's in John's Gospel... It, it, well, I know it was in John's gospel, but I think he said that's whenever the woman came to the well, you know, and, and she went away and, and, and told her friends and they came out. Jesus told the disciples, lift up your eyes and look. The harvest field is right here. And, and I can just imagine at the time he said that, at the time he said, lift up your eyes and look, cresting the top of that hill, all of these people coming from, from Samaria that the woman had told them about Jesus. And just as he said, lift up your eyes and look, he might have done like this and the disciples turned and coming over that hill was this crowd of people dressed in all of their colorful garments and their different you know, uh, looks and, they, and they're coming. See, that's what Jesus is talking about. Lift up your eyes and look, the people are coming from everywhere. They're everywhere. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And then let's look at this word before we go. Preach. Go into all the world. Go into all the cosmos. Go to, to all the ethnos and preach the gospel. This word preach, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna pronounce this word because it's, it's important. The word preach is the, is the Greek word kerusos. Kerusos. It means to proclaim, to declare, to announce, and to herald a message. Remember earlier I had you say the word message? The word caruso means to proclaim, to declare, to announce, and to herald a message. 
Now, the reason I gave you the pronunciation of it is so that you would hear this. The Caruso is the message proclaimed by the Kerus. The Caruso is the message proclaimed by the Kerus, who was the official spokesman for the king. In the Greek language, the, the, the Kerus was the official spokesman or, or herald of the king. As the king's personal representative, it was the Kerus's job to announce the clear and unquestionable desires, dictates, orders, news, policies, or message the king wished to express. His job was to put it out there, nothing more, nothing less. The Kerus was not privileged to put his own spin on things. It was not his job to either make the, the message uh, greater or less, to add anything to it or subtract anything away from it. It was his job to faithfully give the message, the policy, to express the desires, the opinions, whatever it was the king wanted to get out to the job. It was the Kerus's, to the people, it was the Kerus's job to get that message out. Now, the Kerus was a, was, was a privileged person. He was given the privilege of close association with the king. In other words, he didn't just get a printed page. He was given the opportunity to come into the king's presence and to actually not just hear what the king had to say, but spend time with the king to the point that he could get the king's heart so that when he went to the people, he could go to the people with not just the message of the king, but that he could bring the heart of the king to the people. The Kerus was trained to speak kindly and courteously to the people so as to reflect favorably upon the king. It was the Kerus' job to represent the king, not just what he said, not just his heart, but his overall grace and splendor so that the people would reflect favorably upon the king. The Kerus was required to, he was required to keep himself separate from the scandals of the day so as to maintain the respect of the people he spoke to on behalf of the king. It would not do for a Kerus to be caught up in some kind of, of, of situation of scandal or wrong or some kind of a conspiracy, anything like that. He, he was very careful to keep himself apart from all of these things so that no one could reproach his name. Because if he fell into to, to bad reproach, then he could not effectively represent the king. Are you getting my points? We are to announce the king's desires. We are to bring his message faithfully and accurately. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And look at verse... 16, hold fast the word of life. The older King James says this better. It says holding forth the word of life. According to, to Kenneth Wiest, Greek, this word hold forth means to hold forth so as to offer it. In other words, extend it. Extending forth the word of life. That's our job. It's not our job to change the message of the king. It's not our job to make it politically correct. Now, we have these other responsibilities I've talked to, but, but it, by no means do we water down the message of the king. By no, met, but by no means is, is it our job to uh, compromise the message and make it more palatable. We have the opportunity of spending time with the king 
so that we convey, again, not only his message, but his heart. You see, God's word and his message will offend some people. It will. The Bible talks about the offense of the cross. But right at the same time, if we cannot only present his message, because it, it, the Bible says that people that live in the dark don't like the light. They don't like to come to the light because it, it reproves their conduct. But at the same time, if, we, if we're able to present his heart, at the same time we present his message, and the only way we'll, we'll be able to present his heart is to spend time with him and to know his heart. When you've spent time with the king, when you've spent time in the presence of the Lord, if you spend sufficient time there, you cannot walk away from the presence of God without carrying something of that presence with you when you leave. And, and it'll, it'll, it'll uh, waft, is that the word? Off of you. And we need to depend on that. Because sometimes the things we have to say do challenge people. Sometimes the things we say do correct things. And that, and that can cause people to bristle. But the thing that we balance that with, we can't compromise that, but we can balance that with the, the aroma of heaven. The heavenly fragrance, that fragrance that you pick up in his presence is so important. So important. Oh, glory to God. Go over to Colossians 4. As the Kerus, we are to learn to speak to people in such a way as to cause people to have a favorable view of the king. In Colossians chapter 4, verse number 5, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, you, what, why, why do you sprinkle salt on things? To give it flavor, to make it more palatable. Isn't that right? There are some things that, that just won't work. There's some foods that you just can't eat unless you put a little bit of salt on it. Isn't that right? Now, we all know you can overdo that, but... But there's some things that it's just not right. You ladies know this. If you bake certain things, if you leave the salt out, forget it. Isn't that right? He said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned, made palatable, made pleasant with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. We are the representatives of the king. Let us take the time to uh, not only hear his message, but spend time in his presence and then also learn how to, how to speak, how to talk to people. Glory to God. We are to keep ourselves pure and unspotted by the world and from the world so that people do not reject the king's message because of our behavior. That you might be, where, where were we in, were we in, Philippians, go back over to Philippians. Philippians chapter two. I think, yeah, we were in verse 16. Go back in verse 15, same, just the previous verse. That you may become blameless and harmless, the children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Boy, does that describe our generation. We're living in a crooked and perverse generation. We have to be blameless harmless, without fault, among whom we shine as lights in the world. How you live matters. How you live matters to God and it matters to the gospel. It matters to your witness. It matters to your, to your uh, ability because too many Christians their words have fallen flat because of the life they lived. And people look at their life and say, you don't live the way you preach. Amen. Thank you for that word of encouragement, Pastor. It's good. 
The king's Kerus, the messenger, was the most prestigious position in the kingdom for a commoner. The most exalted position in the kingdom was for a common man to be brought in and made the Kerus. What an honor. What an honor. There's no more honorable place to, than, than to be chosen to have personal access to the Lord and to be commissioned to go out and carry his message. Oh, glory to God. And we're all honored. Amen. We're all honored. Let's think about the world around us. And, and when I say the world around us, I'm not talking about Europe and Spain and, and, and Africa and, and, and the islands of, of, of you know, the, the, uh, uh, the east somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the worlds right around us that we're in. You've heard me say this before. Go into all the world of, of, of construction. Go into all the world of education. Go into all the world of retail. Go into all the world of, of medicine. Go into all the world of real estate. Go into all of the world that, all of the cosmos that you come in contact with every day. Oh, glory to God. And be looking for people. I'm gonna tell you folks, let me just, let me zero back in. I said this last week. Sometimes we've spent so much time and effort going back over the same people that we know that look like us and, and that we're comfortable with. And sometimes we don't get much success. And so we get tired. You know, how many people invited somebody to church this week? Well, probably not very many. Well, I've invited them before. They won't come. What about the sheik down at the, at the convenience store? Very often, nobody from... American culture will even do anything other than just say hello. You know, the, the, the pastor's church I told you about last week in Canada, you know, he's, he's got men that come in, they've got the, their sheiks, you know what I'm saying? They've got the big Sikhs, not sheiks, Sikhs. I meant to say Sikhs, they're Sikhs. They've got the, the thing. One cartoon said, don't be afraid of us. We're not the 9-11 people, we're the 7-11 people. But he has people like, he's got these Sikhs in his church. Got all these different people. My, my wife's, uh, her mother's church, they've got people from all these different nationalities. I mean, it's got people, you know, Japanese and, and, and Koreans and, and, and Chinese and all these different people in the church, all these nationalities. There's a world right here. You know, you, you've, you've gone to people you know, start going to some of these other people. So these people that don't look like you, you never know. They might just be overwhelmed to think some cracker like you might be willing to spend some time with them and actually talk to them and actually be interested in their culture, interested in their family. Tessa, what goes on? What do you guys do? Do you, do you, do you, do you, you, know, do you celebrate Thanksgiving or do you not? What do y'all do? You have conversations with them. I'm telling you, there are people around us that would open up to us if we quit being so narrow in our thinking. Amen. Praise the Lord. What's everybody laughing at? Huh? The crackers? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Crackers and sheiks. That was the joke. Praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of this today? Go into all the world. You don't have to leave home hardly. Amen. We've got opportunities right here. Amen. Let's make some adjustment in our thinking. Let's make some adjustment in our church. What, 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 would, you, what would you say if we started having people come into church that maybe look different than we do? Come on now. And, and, and maybe have different backgrounds. And, 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 and you know, come in and, and, and you're, you're able to, to, to 
develop a relationship with someone and, they, and they're open to your Jesus and, and they bring their family in and they get filled with the Holy Ghost and start learning their authority in Christ and, and start being healed and learning to, to prosper and, and, and receive the blessing of, oh my goodness, glory to God. That's what Jesus told us to do. Take it to everybody. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this glorious gospel that we've been entrusted with. Oh, the best news the planet has ever known. The greatest news of any world, any cosmos, any group, any system anywhere. The good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us to lift up our eyes, to just lift up our eyes and look on the fields, plural, around us. There are fields all around, people all around. People that might look different, might talk different, but their needs are the same. Their needs are exactly the same as every man. And we have the solution. Glory to God. We have the solution. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Lord, help us to go out from here today today, with this wonderful gospel and see the opportunities around us. Have the boldness to realize that very often people are People are insecure all around us. The enemy wants us to be aware of our insecurities. There are people all around us with insecurities who don't feel like they belong. They feel very much like aliens in a strange place. And they have their little families or their groups they hang out with because no one else has welcomed them in. And they go, they go through their day every day not feeling apart, feeling isolated and like outcasts. Oh, glory to God. Help us to take advantage of these things for good, Lord. To pour our lives into somebody else so that that feeling of not belonging can be overwhelmed with the wonderful experience of belonging to your family. Oh, glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. I want you to just, I want you to come down here to the front this morning. Just come down to the front. Everybody just come around us. This is just so we'll get out of our chairs and stand close. Just come in real close. This is not a prayer line. Just come in. Come in from the middle. I mean from the sides. Try to get in as close as you can this way. Come in this way. Come in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Agree in your heart. Father, help us to have eyes that are opened. Help us to see. Help me to see all of the worlds that I influence and all of the people that you've brought from right here close to places far away. You've brought them across my path. Father, I will have ear, eyes to see. I will have ears to hear. I will have a heart that can be touched by your spirit to see opportunities to respond to the prompting of the Spirit. I want to be a good Kairos. I want to represent my King. Faithfully, joyfully, passionately with my gospel. The gospel that's changed my life. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for help. I purpose in my heart to do it, to make changes, to start arranging things in my thinking, start taking actions to actually be ready and to step out and speak to somebody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus said this. You can look up this way. Jesus said this. He said that we were to take unrighteous money and use it to win friends for the kingdom of God. We ought to take the things we have, the resources we have, not just, not just money, but our time and our... Uh, the, the, the resource, resources of our, of our connections and our associations with people. Win friends and influence people. Yeah. We ought to think about unsaved people and, and, and think strategically. I'm not interested in, in becoming uh, drinking buddies. I'm not interested in being that kind of friends with the world. These are my friends right here. These church people ought to be your closest friends. But strategically, I'm interested in entering into relationships and friendships with people because I want to get them in here. I want them to become a part of this. You see that? I want them to become a part of the family of God so that they can really be in my friend zone. Amen? But I, but I have to, I have to re- develop relationships. Think strategically when you see people. You think, that's somebody over there. I don't know much about that person. I'm going to befriend that person. God will, God will open doors for you. And you can, you know, it might mean, you know, you have to go to somebody's house. God forbid. But you might have to actually put yourself out a little bit. You might have to actually invite somebody to your house that maybe you don't have a lot in common with, but you're thinking ahead. You're thinking, yeah, but one day we're gonna, there's a potential we could have a whole lot in common. Amen. We could be hand in hand worshiping together. Oh, glory to God. Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.